0: You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Hello and welcome back to this week's Weekly Wrap-Up here on Sprott Money News. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford, and on the line with me today, we have our chairman, Mr. Eric Sprott. Good morning, Eric. How are you doing today, sir?
1: Hey, Jeff. I'm doing okay. Happy to be with you.
0: Excellent. Thank you for joining us. So, Eric, let's take a look at what's happening this week as far as the economy and precious metals. So, let's take a look at the economy first. So, yesterday, the U.S. Department of Labor had initial claims for unemployment benefits increased by 14,000 last week to a seasonally adjusted 281,000 the week ending April 4th. And the four-week moving average dropped 3,000 to 282,250 last week, which they say is the lowest since June of 2000. What are your thoughts on this, and likewise, what do you expect to see? Will there be a change going into the future, or will this remain the same?
1: Sure. Well, as you know, I always question the uh, labor data. For one, as you know, most people are now questioning all the data that comes out of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You know, we had the very weak number uh, last week in a month of uh, March, I guess it was, when the job growth was minimal, and of course, we don't trust the number anyway. Uh, and, and most of these surveys indicate that uh, companies keep laying people off. We get all these merges where, of course, the immediate thing they do is fire people. That's been part of the economic landscape or the corporate landscape. Take somebody over, fire all the people, you know, try to cut wages. And, of course, I've always been a little concerned about initial job space because as the workforce continues to decline, you'd expect the decline in initial applications because there's less and less people working all the time. Plus, someday, I mean, jobless claims may go to zero because people have been unemployed so long that they can't even make a claim. So it's not a number that I put a lot of emphasis on. I think the reality is that people just have to watch what's going on in the world and assess for themselves whether there's really any job growth. And most of the economic data is uh, pointing to weakness, uh, whether it's uh, the oil patch and all the layoffs. I mean, there's been some... Excellent work done by a, a gentleman called Fred Hickey, who writes a, an article called The High-Tech Strategist, which is, by the way, a great publication for any of your listeners to subscribe to. It's very inexpensive, but it gets into very much what's going on in the electronics business or high-tech business. And most of the comments from the CEOs of the companies that are, we're having a very, very weak first quarter here, and there's no signs of any strength going forward. And so it's going to be interesting to see some of these first quarter numbers as you hear about, you know, PC shipments falling off, mobile phone shipments being weak, prices, of course, being cut in many industries due to competitive factors. And I I just think that everything suggests that we're going to have continuing weakness. Uh, We saw the loan numbers where the revolving credit was way down. That's credit cards, which means people aren't spending. The only thing that went up, of course, are student loans and subprime car loans, which is two categories of loans, which are by far the weakest on the risk category, and particularly the student loan thing, right? I mean, they have no capacity to repay the loan whatsoever. They don't even know if they're going to get a good job. So it's sort of disturbing to see that that's where all the strength is coming from. And I think it was a plan. They were like, well, let's bring everybody in who we can give money to, and let's get them to go spend some money. And of course, it's the repayment that's the problem, And, and there's more and more problem evolving in student loans where there's all sorts of issues. Well, what are we going to do about this? Because unfortunately, we have this whole cohort of young people coming into the labor force with these huge debts going in, and they can't really afford to buy things. So it's not good looking forward here that more as more and more people with, with loans come into the labor force, their ability to spend keeps going down. And again, one of the things I think that people massively understate is the impact of Medicare whether it's the increase in the premiums, the increase in the co-pays, the treatments that aren't covered, everybody who's an American citizen, I'm just talking about the American economy now, is facing this situation where they know it just gets worse every day. And of course, it's probably not properly counted in the inflation statistics, but it's a huge problem for the middle class in America. And I should also point out, we had we German industrial production, which was weak. I think factory orders were weak. So it's not just uh, in America, uh, we've seen weakness in China, we've seen weakness in Japan. I mean, it's a broad-based economic weakness. The, the quantity we're hasn't worked never has worked. So it's just more of the same here as uh, as we go down this sort of path to uh, zero interest rates or and or negative interest rates. and printing of money that that basically holds the banking system together, which is exactly what it was intended to do. So there's no economic strength whatsoever.
0: So, Eric, again, we haven't really talked about this in in any detail, but uh, with the the Asian Infrastructure uh, Investment Bank, we can see that uh, it's definitely going to pose a challenge to the U.S. We see a lot of their allies who typically would be kind of sticking to them joining this bank. So when you look at the weakness of the American dollar... And once this bank is you know, established and it's up and it start trading in yuan, what do you think will happen to the American dollar as far as a reserve currency? Will you think this will have a significant effect on the currency?
1: Well, Jeff, as you know, I mean, I've always and I will state unequivocally that the, the U.S. data that's supplied to us. Indicates that the U.S. government will not meet their commitments mm. because the unfunded obligations go up by about five trillion a year. That's announced by the Treasury Department. Since you get this seventeen or eighteen trillion dollar GDP engine that already adds a, bit, a, a trillion to its debt each year, they're going to have to cut those back someday. They just keep delaying and sort of extending and pretending and like the problem doesn't exist. So the the bottom line is that. This fiat currency is going to be valueless. I look at Spain with some negative interest rates now. they got 25% unemployment. I mean, it's just a farce that what these central banks have done by printing money and buying uh, government bonds and driving interest rates to uh, negative levels. I mean, it's just absolutely preposterous. For the AIB, to your specific question, I think the more critical thing which you sort of alluded to is that the former allies, the UK, Germany, Taiwan, have all gone over, and of course, it's as the Chinese even said themselves, they're surprised by the acceptance of this. And I think it's it's a de facto realization by those countries that hey, we better get in uh, before it's too late because this is going to be a powerful force. And so, most countries that would have otherwise not going on. and In fact, we're criticized by the U.S. for going to Forget it. We're going there because we know where the future is here. So that in itself says the power uh, in the currency markets and economically is moving west, which we've all known all along anyway. But between the, depths, the unfunded deficits and the allies turning their back on the dollar, I mean, there's just no doubt in my mind, like all fiat currencies, in the history of mankind to become valueless. All these currencies will as well.
0: So kind of sticking with the idea of, of banks, we're seeing a lot of obviously turmoil in the economy, but a lot of banking turmoil. You know, we look at Greece as first, what's happening there and, you know, the potential of them defaulting. What do you think of us being now in an environment that's kind of conducive to bail-ins, Eric? Do you think that's something possible that, that could be happening anytime soon?
1: Well, of course there is in the sense that when you look at Greece and even though the ECB has said that they're not going to lend the money, we, we always find out that the, the central bank does lend the Greek banks more money every week because, of course, the deposits are just leaving. And there's going to be a point where uh, the ECB might think, well, if we want to get our loans back, we better, we better have a bail-in now because we're not taking this loss. I noted that Austria has recently announced that they're going to put in legislation that they will not back up bank deposits which is a new twist, and that will become effective in July. And this whole uh, notion of bailings, I mean, it's just been accepted now. So people who have their money in banks, I mean, I keep pointing out that the leverage of these banks is so high that a very small uh, economic correction would cost them all the capital as they essentially lost all their capital in the uh, late financial crisis, but they were bailed out by governments. Now, it looks like the governments don't want to bail on that anymore, so there's even more risk of having money in bank deposits. I noticed that, I think it was the Italian government suggested that, henceforth, uh, nobody could buy used items for cash, and of course, it's cut to with taxation, right, because as you know, a lot of used items that people trade amongst each other, it's done for cash, and there's no taxes paid on that, So, so now they're... Outlawing that, and I know they have restrictions. in, I think it's France that went to a thousand dollar maximum payment in cash. You can you can sense all these things coming that you know cash is an enemy to people printing money and to governments trying to uh, collect taxes from their people. And in essence, we're having capital controls here. That the governments know they don't want the cash taken out of the banking system, but at the same token. The interest rates are turning negative, so why would you take your money out, out of the bank? Why pay an interest rate to save it in the bank when you're to have it in your own house or safe or something like that? So bail-ins are coming. Uh, we saw the template of that in Cyprus. We may yet see it, and probably most likely we'll see it in Greece. And there's lots of other countries that are experiencing the same thing as I mentioned. We had a big bankruptcy in uh in Austria now they're changing their rules. So you can smell the bail in thing coming and uh We will see more of that as as time goes
0: on here. So, Eric, switching over to precious metals, we saw gold prices rise today in China. And in China, likewise, consumer prices rose 1.4% year-over-year in March, which is more than expected, as expected a 1.3% gain. So, the reason I'm getting this is that they're saying that because of this change in consumer prices, it affected the gold market. So, what are your thoughts overall this week in terms of the movement of gold and likewise, what we can expect in the future.
1: Well, I mean, I always go back to first principles. The physical demand is strong. We're we're probably going to get a very strong number out of India for the month of March. We've seen that the Shanghai deliveries are maintaining a very healthy pace, well over two thousand tons a year. I have mentioned before that the free world, ex-China, ex-Russia, produces twenty-two mines, twenty-two hundred tons. Uh, it would look like the Chinese will consume that twenty-two hundred tons. It looks like India would like a thousand tons. I. Certainly have to believe that the central Western central banks are supplying the difference here in a rather surreptitious manner. Although we do see data from time to time showing the actual leaving of gold from the U.S. and from the U.K., there has to be something to balance off this excess of uh, demand over supply. Uh, but it's been a very benign week in the market. Unfortunately, last week, of course, the commercials increased their shorts materially. And as the hedge funds and speculators uh, went long gold, that's always a poor sign going forward because, as I explained before it's it's like a a casino where you know the commercials will go in and short it, and then they arrange for the price to go down so they can cover it and it's just basically sweeping the table every six to eight weeks as far as I'm concerned, gold demand is very strong. the reason to own gold. Could never be more obvious than they are today. For example, we saw an article about like how people in Russia have made some huge return on gold because of the weak, the former weakness of the ruble. And of course, anybody who has a currency that's weakening, whether it's Canadian, Australian, Japanese, it's logical to to have your money in gold. But the data, there's been no particular meaningful physical data this week. Uh, we'll get the um, Indian data early next week and it'll be interesting to see what the demand is of course we've got a big month coming up in india with one of the religious festivals happening in april so i i think the demand is going to stay strong what's going to happen in the comex i don't know i'd love to see the asian physical markets really uh, get going here and, and change the pricing mechanism from uh, from east to west uh but it's been a pretty benign week uh, most of the um, volatility can't be explained. The only thing that could be explained is, the, of course, the, the rally on Monday because of the uh, lousy jobs numbers. I mean, I would have much preferred that that lousy jobs number came out when markets were open, by the way, instead of closed, which they were on Friday. But obviously, uh, and then had more mention of QE4 by a couple of Fed governors. New York Fed Reserve President Dudley was talking about, well, you know, I have to wait and see. And the data dependent. Of course, the data sucks. So I don't think we're going to see any rate increase in this whole decline of gold because of rate increases. is just It's been a policy which was put out there, but it's never manifested itself. I think I heard Mark Faber suggest we're never going to see a rate increase. I don't think we will see a rate increase. and Even if there is a rate increase, it'll be so minimal that it's not going to have any impact on anything anyway. So even though it's been a benign week, all factors still point towards owning gold and silver.
0: Well, as usual, Eric, we always appreciate your insight here on in the weekly wrap up. Thank you for joining us today,
1: Eric. Okay, Jeff, let's hope for a great week next week. All the best.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for listening. This is Jeff Rutherford for the weekly wrap up here on Sprawl Mini News. Have a great weekend.